Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a Monday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. If you can't tell by now, this is not Chris Schmitz. Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris here alongside Damon Barr. We're back from the 4th of July weekend. Hope it was a good one for all of you. Last time you heard us was Wednesday live, I guess. Thursday, Damon was here running the best of show. We had that little uh, three-day weekend. Chris has turned into a four-day weekend for him. But Damon and I are here filling in, making some money, not getting any days off. We put in the work. Got a lot we could get into uh, right now. I mean, Patrick Mahomes just signed the richest deal in sports history. Um, <laughs> Going to get into that in a little bit later. But Damon, first, I want to check with you. Make sure all 10 fingers, correct? I somehow managed to keep them all intact despite all the uh, stuff we blew up in the front yard uh, the last uh, three days. Yeah, I have all 10 fingers as well. I'm not going to ask about the toes. You don't have to take your shoes off in there or anything. Uh, We're good. I trust you. I trust that you have all 10. We made it out happy and healthy. That's uh, the main thing. But some big news this weekend. Latrell Neville committed on Saturday. We're going to talk with him a little bit later. Got a fun show planned for you today. 425 before we talk with Latrell. Greg Smith is going to join us. We're going to get some recruiting recon with Greg. Hopefully going to hit on this Latrell Neville news. And then at 440, Latrell Neville is going to be joining us. We're going to talk with him. The newest Husker commit. That 6'4 wide receiver from down in Texas. Next hour, Charlie McBride is going to join us. Then we're going to have some open phone lines in the second hour because what a wild weekend it was in sports. I mean, everyone's expecting nice, quiet 4th of July weekend. That's how 4th of July usually is, quiet, calm. Um, That's how it tends to go. (laughs) No sarcasm there whatsoever. But we had a big weekend in sports, so we got a lot to talk to. A uh, lot to talk about. We want to hear from you, 402-466-3776 or 1-800-825-5865. If you need some help remembering, 402-466-ESPN is the uh, the number you can call. We're going to have those open phone lines again in the second hour. We'll remind you of those numbers. Uh, before then, again, if you want to connect with the show, you can also find us and follow us on Twitter. For me, at Herbal Essences, or for Damon Barr, at Damon Barr. And remember, Barr is spelled with two R's. Uh, and you can also find and follow Hail Varsity on Twitter. That's at Hail Varsity or at ESPN Lincoln. But get let's get right into it. We're going to talk about Mahomes news here in a little bit because that's just wild. He signed a 10-year, $450 million extension today. It's the richest deal in all of sports history. Absolutely wild and pretty deserved for the Super Bowl MVP. But first, let's start off with the Latrell Neville commitment. Some fireworks on the 4th of July as he commits to the Huskers on Saturday. The 6'3", 6'3", receiver, 200 pounds from down in Texas. Rivals has him as a four-star. Uh, 24-7 has him as a three-star. But again, bolstering the size the Huskers have in that receiving core. I mean, you look at the last two classes. And it's just size. That was the problem that the Husker fans saw in the receiving core this year. Not enough size, not enough blocking. Well, maybe the Huskers have addressed it. In the 2020 class, they bring in Juco, Omar Manning. Everyone knows the name by this point. And then also from Bellevue West, Xavier Betts. 
uh, six foot four and six foot three, respectively. Now in the 2021 class, Nebraska already got the commitment from Sean Hardy, six foot three, and now Latrell Neville is in the boat, six foot three as well. Rivals, uh, excuse me, 24 seven has him at six foot four, so somewhere in that range. Another big bodied receiver for the Huskers, and Huskers beat out a lot of teams for Neville's uh, signature. I mean, 43 offers, 43. And that's from just about every single Power 5 conference. I mean, I'm just going to run through the offers here. He's got Alabama, Auburn, Baylor, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Michigan, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon, Penn State, USC. The list goes on. There's 43 of them. And Nebraska gets a big win down there. And, I mean, Damon, whenever you look at this commitment, I know receiving was a big issue for this Huskers team last year. Do you think that the Huskers have done enough in these past two classes to help bolster those, that outside? I think other schools, especially in the Big Ten, are going to have to start paying more attention to our passing game. The Scott Frost offense is going to just bloom. It's going to be something incredibly different than what we've been able to see because there's going to be so many more options available for the offense to really do what it was intended to do. I'm really Really excited about all these wide receiver commits we've been getting. And Latrell Neville, I mean, he's he's got the the frame for it. The production last year can raise some eyebrows. Uh, I mean, he averaged a little over two catches a game, which is not that's not eye popping numbers for what what you're expecting from a Division One player. I mean, averaging two catches a game, it's not great, but on those two catches, it was over 25 yards per catch, which is pretty good. And he, his coaches talked with the Journal Star over the weekend, and they gave two factors for why he has that lack of production. I know a lot of Husker fans can see that and go, why are we even talking to this dude? Well, the talent's there. 43 offers. It's clear. This, this guy's got power five potential. Uh, and, and then he also came in last season to a new offense, a new team. He transferred schools last year only a week before fall camp started. He joins uh, Hightower down in Missouri City, uh, transfers across the city to a new high school. And one week notice, he joins the team. So obviously you're going to have issues fitting into a new offense there. And then the coaches last year also think that he came in a little overweight's not the right word it, it wasn't bad weight it wasn't like he came in fat uh, but he came in with some little extra muscle on him that's what the college coaches were telling him is that hey at the next level we want you to be up at the 215 220 range and he was trying to get up there in high school and it, it just didn't do well for his explosiveness so the coaches this year in the offseason said all right we want to get you back down to where you were fast where you were good and that's in the 190 195 range and they said we'll let the college coaches handle the weight gain once you get to college so two factors are looking up for the Latrell Neville this year um, but the speed's still there. He runs an 11-8, 400-yard dash, which I, I'm not going to act like I'm the fastest guy in the world. Um, it, it's, it's not eye-popping either, but there's still potential there. Long strides, a six foot four frame, running a 11-8, 400-yard dash, and also running a 23-6, 200-yard dash. Both of those pretty solid numbers for the high school kid. I, I mean, it's just, I'm excited about the, where the Huskers are going in recruiting. That, that's what this comes down to. The Huskers going with size, which is what the Husker fans have been clamoring for for years. Uh, when you look at what Nebraska's seen in the Big Ten, we're getting some size in the offensive line. We're getting some size in the receivers. Uh, we have speed to combine with size in the backfield. Nebraska's going up. That's what it is. I mean, obviously these guys need to pan out. You need to get here. You need them to develop once they get in this system. But we now have the guys that have the frame to be able to find success in the Big Ten. It's, it's tough to find success in the Big Ten whenever your entire... It doesn't matter how good you are. 
if your biggest lineman's six foot five, two hundred and ninety pounds, you know. So the Huskers doing some work on the recruiting trail. We're going to talk with Greg Smith. Uh, he actually had a little article that he wrote talking about the size that the Huskers have gained uh, up in the front and just all over recruiting. And then we're going to talk with Latrell Neville a little bit later, the newest Husker commit. You just heard all about him. We're excited to chat with him. He's calling in from Texas. Uh, looking forward to talking to him again one more time. Can't, can't say enough. Thanks to Latrell uh, for, uh, for coming on the show today. We're going to get him here in about... 30 minutes. Excited for that. But let's get into the big sports news of the day, and that is Patrick Mahomes. Whopping 10-year extension, over $40 million a year. 400? 400 million total, 40 million a year, which is just absurd. That's just absurd money. Uh, The injury guarantee, so if next year, God forbid, if Patrick Mahomes were to have a season-ending injury, I say that as a Broncos fan, please, God forbid, Patrick Mahomes have a career-ending injury. I mean that with all seriousness. This guy is too much of a talent for the NFL to lose him right now. It's as simple as that. Uh, As much as I don't like playing Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is a generational talent that the NFL needs, and it's deserved. $400 million a year. I mean, the contract is not going to end now until he turns 37 years old. So he is locked up through the prime of his career as a Kansas City Chief. I'm sure that the Chiefs fans are rejoicing. Uh, the interesting part to me in this deal is that there is no language in the deal which ties the contract's value to the Chiefs' salary cap. So if salary cap were to go up and become, you know, I mean, it's sitting at what, 100 something million a year right now? I think it's in the 140, 150 million range. If it were to go up to 400 million a year, there's no language that would have the uh, the contract go up. Uh, that's obviously um, kind of the Dennis Rodman situation. If you watch that 30 for 30 a uh, few months back, Dennis Rodman had his deal. He was locked up, I think, for seven or eight years. And at the time, pretty good deal. But then the value of the NBA just skyrocketed. And uh, his contract kind of became a little bit worthless after that. But Damon, Patrick Mahomes is going to be a chief for the next 10 years, or 12 years, I guess. He still had two years remaining on his deal. A little bit terrifying as a fan of other NFL teams as we are, correct? As a Chargers fan, this is a nightmare. But, I mean, you look at this guy. He ranks in the last two years in the NFL. He's first in passing touchdowns, first in passing yards. He's won more than any other quarterback. I mean, he's the total package. And I, I just I can't imagine being a Bears fan right now sitting with Trubinsky and being like, well, I guess we, we saved some space on the, the salary cap, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm sure there was nine teams that picked before the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs traded up for Mahomes, but those nine teams that were before, um, especially the Bears, have just got to be rolling over right now. So mad. Especially take Trubisky with the second overall pick, and Mahomes is still there at 10. And now Mahomes has proven himself to be most likely a generational talent, assuming that he remains injury-free throughout his career. Um, just... I mean, he's, he's an incredible talent. He deserves $450 million a year. But now, there's, there's two ways I want to go with this. I'm going to start off with Chris Jones. Talented Chiefs defensive tackle. Um, and he said, and I think it was a little bit, was it last week? Early last week? Uh, he tweeted out um, kind of that he was following in the Le'Veon Bell uh, footsteps here. With He didn't want to sign his franchise tender. He wants the long-term deal. And now Patrick Mahomes gets it first, deservedly. Patrick Mahomes deserved to get his deal first, but now what does this do for the cap room for the Chiefs? Is Chris Jones going to be playing in a Chiefs uniform this year? Are they going to trade him? What's going on with Chris Jones? I don't know. It will be really interesting to see how they can afford 
better players. I mean, they're they're returning a lot of start. I think they're only not returning two starters from last year's team. They're keeping their offensive coordinator. I mean, the Chiefs are in a really good spot right now. I'm interested to see maybe five years down the line if something goes wrong, some something starts to go missing from the offense, what happens? Well, the thing is, in my opinion, you're never going to have anything go from that offense because you have Patrick Mahomes running the ship. It's like Tom Brady. Tom Brady, I mean, good enough Patriots offense just because Tom Brady was at the helm. The Chiefs' offense will always be good for as long as Patrick Mahomes is at the helm. Doesn't I mean, as long as he has a receiver that can run a route, I think Patrick Mahomes can find the open guy. And in the NFL, I know with all the, the weapons that defenses have, the speed that's on defenses, the talent of corners, um, it would be difficult if you didn't have any options for sure. But NFL offenses are schemed in a way to exploit the weaknesses of NFL defenses. And if you have a great equalizer like Patrick Mahomes at quarterback – it doesn't really matter who you have around him. I mean, simply put, you're going to have enough talent from the draft, unless you just miss horribly, that you can at least put together a competent offense around him. you got to think the Chiefs, for as long as Patrick Mahomes is playing like he is right now, are going to be a playoff team and are going to be a contender. I like that you brought up Brady because I remember back when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, I think you and me were doing one of our, our first little live shows together without Chris, and we were thinking about, does Patrick Mahomes become the next big franchise player with the Chiefs does he rule the NFL and I think we're we're starting to see that's the case yeah the Chiefs sure believe 400 million over 10 years I, I don't want to understate enough or I, I don't, don't want to straight at all how big it is that he has the biggest sports deal in history across all sports across all levels ever those are baseball player numbers <laughs> that's exactly right I mean baseball players as of last year can't can't talk about this year, um, but it, just why it just boggles my mind to think about four hundred million dollars to play a game. But he's worth it. He's worth it. But now the second place I want to go with this is Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has said that he wants in the same the same ballpark. I'm not going to say that the four hundred million over ten years, but he wants in in the per year money. He wants in the same ballpark. This has got to hurt Dak Prescott's odds to get a deal in my book whenever i'm patrick mahomes 40 plus million a year but whenever you're dak prescott you can't go around asking for 35 plus million a year i mean it's just it's absurd it's absurd but dak prescott wants his deal he wants his money understandably um the cowboys i think have to decide is he the franchise player for them that's what the chiefs have said with this deal today i think it's been known that patrick mahomes is the franchise player for the chiefs and he will be for years to come they proved it today. They proved that for the next 12 years, he's going to be their franchise player. No one's, I mean, no one's going to trade for Mahomes, really. Because the Chiefs, A, don't want to trade him, and B, you're playing 40-plus million a year. So the Chiefs have said, this is our guy. We are going to have him until he's 37 years old, and we are happy with our choice. The Cowboys, I don't think, can do the same. Dak Prescott hasn't proved himself to be, uh, I mean, I think he's proved himself to be better than Tony Romo. That's my opinion. Tony Romo had some good years uh, in Dallas, but he's proven himself to be a better commentator than football. The football player. As for Dak Prescott, he hasn't proven himself to be the, the player of the franchise yet. They're putting pieces around him, which is great. They got Amari Cooper. They got CeeDee Lamb in the draft. They still have Zeke. They still have one of the best offensive lines in football. But when I look at that offense, I don't see it as Dak Prescott's leading the ship. Dak Prescott deserves to be the highest paid player in the offense. I, I see it as Dak Prescott is just kind of running a high-powered offense, and he's almost holding them back. 
Is holding them back the right word? Maybe not. But you know what I'm saying? He's a weak link. I've never been too impressed, you know. I mean, you, you can always ask for more. But the thing about being a quarterback in the NFL, on, on the flip side, is that there's not many people who can do what you do. There's not even 32 of them, really. There, there's Half the teams don't have competent starting quarterbacks. you got about 15 guys that I think can lead the teams, their team to the playoffs this year. Dak Prescott, probably one of them. I don't think Dak Prescott is a player who is going to consistently lead your team to championships for the next 12 years. That's what Patrick Mahomes is. Dak Prescott is not. He is not worth $35 million plus a year. It's as simple as that. So this deal today is just not good for Dak. Not a Chiefs fan, but good for Patrick Mahomes, good for the Chiefs, good for Chiefs fans. Congrats to them. You guys have your franchise player. Greg Smith's next. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio On Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Hail Varsity Radio is rolling through a Monday back after the 4th of July. Holidays reminder, Chris has made a four-day weekend, and he is, uh, again, out today. He will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, it's me, Elijah Herbal, and Damon Barr filling in for him. We're excited now to welcome in Greg Smith, a recruiting expert, recruiting insider for Hale Varsity. Greg, I got to ask you, before we get into recruiting, you still have all your fingers and toes after the weekend, right? You stayed safe? Yeah, definitely stayed safe. I think the only thing, I, I've lost a lot of fireworks, so I feel like Lincoln went ham this year. Um, there is a great photo that I probably will never release of me looking like a kid in a candy store just holding a sparkler. Uh, and that is uh, as far as I went with actually using fireworks this weekend. Um, but I had a lot of fun watching all of them. Hey, sparklers are the most dangerous firework every single year, Greg. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty badass in my opinion to be holding a sparkler. They, they injure more people than anyone else. Yeah, I bet it does because I definitely caught a little a little spark there. Um, and I was like, I, I felt kind of bad. Because I did that, but it's good to know you made me feel better knowing that that more people get injured with those things. Well, Greg, did you have anything good on the grill this weekend? You, you may have not done the fireworks, but you always got something good on the grill. Yeah, we did. We did a, um, a big thing of chicken wings, um, did some burgers, uh, brats, and hot dogs as well over the weekend. Um, then we're going to do some bacon wrap fillets tonight. You know, we're always ready to, to get the grill rolling around here. Oh, that, uh, that food just sounds like the good Fourth of July special. I mean, that's what you want to have with your Fourth of July. But Greg. I want to get to Latrell Neville because he was the big firework on Saturday. A lot of people lighting off fireworks in Lincoln, but the Husker fans excited for this one. What does Latrell Neville bring to the table for the Huskers? Yeah, I think he, he brings a wide receiver with, with, that has a lot of, of potential um, still left to be on tap for Nebraska. And I think that Nebraska fans should be really excited about him. First and foremost, what you've noticed, um, he's, he's a true 6'4", 190, according to his high school coach, Coach Sam, that I spoke with last week, um, which is always great uh, because you know in the Big Ten you need some receivers with a little bit more size. You just face so many good physical cornerbacks around this league. Like It just seems that um, every team just seems to have a, a good corner or two they can throw out there, especially the better teams that Nebraska is chasing. Um, so that's good to see. He's also a fast kid, um, runs track, plays basketball, so he's a multi-sport athlete. And with him being, he's still pretty raw, and he's been getting by on athleticism, um, which is something that can, should excite you if you're Matt Lubick, because you get your hands on him, you can get him uh, refined and teach him the intricacies of playing wide receiver. Um, but you can't coach that size and speed. You can't, you can't just manufacture that. Uh, so Nebraska got a, a really good player in Neville. 
Greg, a lot of other teams were in on Neville. 43 offers. That's according to his uh, his rivals page. Bama, Auburn, Florida, LSU. A lot of other teams liked Neville. How close was this coming down to the wire at the end for the Huskers? Yeah, I don't think it was all that close once once we got to the actual decision day. I think that Nebraska had put themselves in a really good position here once he left um, or backed off of his pledge at Virginia Tech. And I know Nebraska had been in contact with him before that anyway. They've recruited him really hard and stayed consistent with him. And I think that that's one of the things that, that Neville really liked. Uh, about what the Huskers pitch was, but I think the Huskers pulled away here on the end. Um, I think that one of the things that we'll keep hearing, and I'm curious if he says it again when he speaks with you here later in the show, is that Matt Lubick has become a real asset for Nebraska on the recruiting trail. He's a guy that's starting to get well-known or is well-known to to Nebraska fans now uh, for being someone who can relate to kids but is also really good at just teaching the, the position of wide receiver, and kids really seem to be responding to that. Greg, Latrell quickly took to Twitter after his commitment, did a little peer recruiting uh, with Thomas Fedoni. Uh, I mean, even Terrence Lewis uh, had some peer recruiting thrown his way this weekend. With, with those two guys, do you, do you think that there's, I mean, Fedoni's always been a guy the Husker's been hard after. Terrence Lewis, after his commitment to Tennessee, a lot of Husker fans thought, well, maybe that's it. Those two guys, though, uh, what are you thinking on them? Yeah, I, the Thomas Fedoni thing, I actually laughed. I think I had a hot dog in my hand when I saw that tweet. <laughs> um, and I think that I just laughed because it's, it's almost if there's a memo that goes out as soon as a kid because, like gets in the Nebraska class officially and makes his announcement that he's got to go send a tweet to Thomas Fedoni, that like everybody needs to let Thomas Fedoni know um, that he's very much wanted in this Nebraska class, as if he's not already feeling that already. Um, but as I joke about it, it is kind of important because you do want, and I've said this before on the show, like if, if you're like a Husker fan hoping, of course, that Fedoni ends up in the class, you want him to feel comfortable with the other players that he'd be joining in his class. Right. Um, it also always helps when you've got a kid like Latrell Neville, who's a very good prospect in his own right, that plays a similar-ish position to Fedoni, who will be helping him out on the field. Right. Um, and so when you know that another good player is coming in at wide receiver to take some pressure off of you, so that you can exploit the defense as well, that always helps. But it, I always just laugh when I see that they always all go after Fedoni. When it comes to Terrence Lewis, um, you also had Jamari Butler, one of the Huskers' newest outside linebacker at Rollies, um, tweet at him. Um, um, and jokingly say that, hey, I was committed to Tennessee at 1.2. You still need to be checking out the Huskers. Um, that's one, I think, in Lewis that will go down to the end. I think that, yes, he's committed to Tennessee right now, but I think all schools are essentially continuing to recruit him um, because I don't think that one's over until it's actually signed and he shows up somewhere. I noticed that Neville didn't do any peer recruiting with any other receivers. Huskers already have Sean Hardy in the class. Do we think they're done at receiver now that they have their two guys? I do. I, I think that they are done unless they unless something happens where um, they end up having an extra spot or two and there's just a guy that they can't turn down or if there's um, some type of duck R type of player um, that they would go after one of the, the smaller kind of slot receivers, a shifty guy like a la Wondell Robinson. Um, you don't turn down a talent like that, right? But I, I would say right now I think that they're done at wide receiver period uh, just because there's just not going to be that many spots to go around. And now you have a whole host of young wide receivers um, that will be entering the program soon or are already in Lincoln. Speaking of those young receivers, you got Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, now Sean Hardy and Latrell Neville in this next class. A lot of size there. You wrote a piece about the size of the Huskers and, and how it's been stepping up really at all positions. You want to talk a little about that? 
Yeah, it, it, it's a really interesting thing, is because and I said this in the piece. I would have thought that it was on it was on accident, except for if you go back to the end of the 2018 season after that Iowa game with Scott Frost very poignantly said at the podium that, hey, I'm not used to looking around and seeing a team be bigger than Nebraska. Um, and that it shouldn't be like that. We can we can do better than that. Then um, once he said that, the switch kind of flipped that, hey, they're going to really go after a lot of size on the recruiting trail. And like you said, it's been all over the place. Um, defensive back in particular, offensive line, of course, has just been massive over the last couple of recruiting classes. They're starting to get that turned around when it comes to the wide receivers, too, and the linebackers that they've been bringing in, especially in this 21 group, um, have a lot of good size and athleticism as well. So it's definitely on purpose, and I think it's an adjustment that this staff has made very quickly when it comes to how they need to go about attacking the Big Ten and how different that is from, say, the AAC or the Pac-12, where they have been um, coaches at previously as well. Greg, the other takeaway I have from this uh, Latrell Neville commitment is the Lone Star State momentum here. Huskers been hitting the Lone Star State pretty hard. Omar Manning last year, Latrell Neville this year. Are there any of the guys down in Texas that the Huskers are, are still going in on? Yeah, there's C.J. Gidry, um, who's one of those kind of duck-R slot receivers um, that they really like, really fast guy. There's Cameron Valdez, a running back down in Texas, and there's a couple other kids as well. I think that Texas um, is going to continue to be a focus for this staff. I think that they want to um, obviously go places where they have good brand equity, and I think Texas is one of those spots, and it's been like that for a long time, going back to the Big 12 days, um, and Nebraska kind of lost that through through a couple of different coaching changes, uh, but I definitely think that's something that they want to continue to emphasize going forward. Greg, are there any names that you have uh, written down that maybe Husker fans should keep an eye on being the next commitment? I know I probably ask you this every single week. You're probably tired of hearing it by now. Um, but it, it's, it's what I want to know. Are there any other names that you're seeing uh, that could be, uh, could be coming soon? You know, it's funny. I always, it, it's weird. This staff is so different when it comes to, they are very good at getting these guys that come way off the radar. I and mean, you can just think about like Sean Hardy and some of these other guys. Gabe Irvin um, was like that as well, where you just didn't see it coming. I don't have a name um, right now. Uh, I still don't think, and everybody wants to know this, I still don't think that Thomas Bedoni is anywhere close um, to making a decision himself either. Um, it's going to really depend on what the next ruling is about visits and, and when those are going to be allowed. Um, but it could be really from any position outside of wide receiver, like we just talked about in quarterback, I guess, um, for that next commitment. Speaking of Thomas Fedoni, Huskers got to have some backup plans there in case Fedoni goes elsewhere. I'm seeing that Gunnar Helm, he's tied in from Colorado, coming down to Lincoln, checking out campus. What do you have on him? Yeah, one of the really interesting things about what's developed in this recruiting cycle is because guys can't come on just like regular officials or unofficial visits hosted by the school, there are kids that are, and their parents that are just electing to go to college campuses and college towns just to be able to see it, right? Because a lot of kids really do want to and like to make their decisions before their senior year just so they have it out of the way and they're not having to deal with the recruiting process during the season. Helm is one of those kids, um, and he took a, he's taken a couple of visits because he went out to Wisconsin here recently up to Madison. Madison. Um, I think he's in Iowa today, and then he'll be in Lincoln tomorrow. He's on his way to Lincoln now. Um, he's a good player. He's a similar build to Thomas Fedoni, maybe a touch uh, heavier at this point than Fedoni, another kid that can split out and also play in line and come in motion and those sorts of things. He's a nice player out of Colorado. Colorado's got a few good tight ends this cycle. One of them, Eric Olson, just committed to Colorado that Nebraska liked, uh, but they're still in good position, Nebraska, is to be able to land two tight ends in this cycle, which is the goal. 
Greg, another name I have written down is Tommy Hill. He's an athlete out of Florida. Uh, looks like Orlando. Uh, plays wide receiver down in high school. Huskers kind of like him as a cornerback. Uh, I've heard his name thrown around here in the past week or so. Oklahoma, Arizona State, Nebraska seem to be the, the big three for him. Do you have anything on him? Yeah, it's, it's interesting with Hill. Is he is a guy that could probably play either way in college. Nebraska, you're right, does like him at defensive back. And I think that there's been some talk about him committing here recently. I don't have anything on that or any indication that he's close to making the decision. Um, we'll see how that goes. But I know that Nebraska's in a good position with him. Travis Fisher, um, who has always done really good work with those players down in Florida um, and has Nebraska in good position there. But it wouldn't surprise me if Nebraska's doing really well with him. I just don't know if he's really that close to making a decision. Greg, before we let you go here, got about a minute left. I want to ask you, class of 2022, it's still a ways off, um, but are the Huskers making any noise? There's still no commitments for the class of 2022, right? Yeah, there's no commitments for 22 yet, um, but there are quite a few offers that are out for the class of 2022, and that's the one that I feel like we've not talked a lot about the impact of, of the virus and what's happened with all the dead period and all of that on in and as it relates to the class of 2022, because remember, those guys would have been coming out for unofficial visits. They get to go to junior days, and they come out for the spring game and all of that as well. Um, so a lot of those guys who would have really started to solidify some of the schools that they like, they completely missed the boat on being able to get that early time to go out on college campus visits. Um, so it really hurt them, and that's why I think you kind of had a lot of mystery around what's happening with 22. Outside of those, that big-time group of kids that are in Omaha, everybody knows that Nebraska wants them. Um, but it becomes difficult after that, I think, just because we didn't have those visits. Greg, last thought, what do you think the biggest position in need is in that class of 2022? Boy, in the, a problem pass rusher is probably the fault. Always answer. a big one. Um, because you, you just have to keep loading up that position group until Nebraska has a consistently good pass rush and they, they can build a pipeline where you just feel comfortable knowing what you're going to get from that position season in and season out. Um, they have to keep attacking that. Greg, I appreciate the time, uh, and have a lovely Monday, all right? Hey, you too. You guys have a great week. Latrell Neville's next Hale Varsity Radio. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Still tracking down Latrell Neville, expecting to talk to him here momentarily. In the meantime, I want to remind you about our friends over at West Blue Realty. If you're looking to make a move in 2019, you need to give, excuse me, if you make a move in 2020, wow. Second time I've done this, I think, second straight show. I've, I've said 2019 instead of 2020 because I mean, I'm just ready for 2020 to not be your 2019, 2021, whichever. Uh, but if you're looking to make a move in 2020, 2020, you need to give the real estate professionals at West Blue Realty a call today. Specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities, and they will make your next move a smooth one. Located at 1120 K Street in downtown Lincoln, you need to call Tom Luby or Kelly Hofschneider. Ask yourself, what can West Blue do for you? Call them 402-450-3768 or 402-202-2312 for more details. Excited now to welcome in the newest addition to the Husker 2021 class. That is Latrell Neville, six foot three receiver from down in Missouri City, Texas. Latrell, how you doing today? Uh, good, how are you? Doing pretty well. I just want to start off by congratulating you on, on your commitment. Uh, are you excited? Are you, are you feeling I mean, relieved to be uh, finally done with this? Uh, yes, sir. Well, first things first, I want to ask you, why Nebraska? I mean, I read the Journal Star article on you, and they said that you had a good commitment or a good relationship with uh, 
the Huskers' new offense coordinator, Matt Lubick. Uh, talk a little bit about your relationship with him and, and why he swayed you to come to Nebraska. Uh, my relationship with Coach Lubick goes a long way back to when he was at Washington. Uh, he was recruiting me there, uh, recruiting me real hard. You know, and uh, when he got to Nebraska, he wasted no time to uh, make sure that I knew that I was the main priority to the class. And uh, he just the great guy. You know, we talked every day, even though I was committed to Virginia Tech at the time. He still recruited me, didn't give up on me. You know, so uh, that that spoke a lot to me. You know, and uh, Coach Frost as well. You know, they both were kind of tag teaming in, you know. So they built a real strong relationship with my uncle as well. So, I mean, they just, they just did all the great, great things. Latrell, what did you know or what was your uh, thought on Nebraska going into this recruiting cycle? Um, going into this recruiting cycle, my thoughts on Nebraska was uh, can they produce offensively? You know, past, past, between the uh, past years, you know, offensively, they haven't been like just like dominant, dominant, you know, but they've been pretty good. You know, with Coach Troy Walker, that's the previous receiver coach, he, uh, kept telling me about like the change and stuff like that that they were going to do but you know he's no longer with them but now of course moving there I really see that it could be he could be a big difference maker you know with him being OC you know and just seeing what he's done like at Washington Oregon and you know with Coach Falls down at UCF you know uh, I just trust these guys you know two great coaches and yeah I think the future is very bright for us. Latrell have the coaches talked with you about uh, what your role is going to be in this Nebraska offense? Uh, yes, uh, uh, the ex receiver, outside, outside receiver, and uh, really whatever it is that, like, although like I'll be playing X, I'll still be able to like move around, you know, into the slot just to get mismatches, you know, like with certain things like safety or linebacker and stuff like that. So uh, just really, just whichever way to give me the ball, really. I know you played some slot in high school. Do you feel more comfortable out wide at X, or do you like slot? Uh, I actually feel more comfortable outside at X just because of the fact that. I like to take advantage of the one-on-one matchups that I'll be getting. You know, uh, although in high school, I never really see them that much just because I get double-teamed most of the time. But in college, you know, uh, I just feel like it's just a good experience, you know, just because of the fact in NFL, you know, you'll see the same thing, you know, with press coverage or, you know, stuff like that. Now, Latrell, I want to get into your other offers. You had 43 of them according to your 24-7 profile. Um, I mean, that's a ton of teams that sent you an offer and said, we want you to come to our school. Who else was, was in the mix at the end here uh, besides Nebraska? Uh, when at the end of my at the end of my recruitment, when I reopened my recruitment from uh, Virginia Tech, I picked up some ACC offers. Um, so I really had fairly over fifty at the end of at the end of it all. But uh, I, I would say like Louisville was in the mix at the end. Mm-hmm. West Virginia, Penn State, Florida, uh, FAU. Uh, who uh, I was communicating with a couple of Texas schools like TCU, Baylor, uh, and yeah, I've communicated with Ole Miss. And well, Latrell, that's a pretty impressive yeah. list there. Um, and you said, I mean, Nebraska is the one. You said you, you love the, the the relationship with Lubick. Uh, you're going to be enrolling here in in January, correct? Yes, sir. What do you think you still need to improve on your game before you come to campus? I know you still have a whole senior season ahead of you. What What do you want to see improved in your own game before you uh, you first step foot on campus? Um, just becoming more of a vertical threat, you know, uh, 
in high school, I never really got the chance to get the deep ball. Like, of course, I just get, like, the 30-yard fades and stuff like that. But, you know, like, just if we're in between, you know, like getting a, just a deep ball, like the 80 yards, you know, just that's it. You know, that's something that I include in my workout regimen every day. So, uh, yeah. Well, at the moment, what's your favorite route to run? Do you have one? Uh, yeah. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, what is it? Uh, a curl and a comeback. Why those two? I just feel like it's two, two routes that you can set up, like, two different, like, many different ways, actually. You know, like, with a curl, like, you can post-curl or, like, you can just inside stem and, like, almost if you're running a corner and breaking to the curl. Same thing with the comeback, you know, fake to fade and, you know, just a whole lot of stuff, you know. Well, Trell, how have you been able to stay in shape and work on your game since all this COVID stuff started on? Have you been able to go work out? What What's your uh, regimen looked like? Uh, I'm so, uh, so we have a, a gym out here called On Sports uh, Performance, you know, where a lot of collegiate athletes and uh, NFL athletes as well work out. And that's where I've been going uh, at 6 a.m. and 1 p.m. every day. Uh, Monday through Friday, so I've been being able to get in some good receiver work, a good lift, and some speed working as well. Latrell, route running can be an art, and, and it sounds like you're putting in work on that art. Do you have anyone, especially in the NFL, that you model your game after, or do you see anyone in the NFL that you think, hey, I, I want to play like him? Uh, yes, sir. In my opinion, I honestly, well, I always, well, he's not in the NFL anymore, but I always call myself. Like, you know, Tosingo, just because of the fact I, I feel like uh, the most improved part of my game has been my feet, you know, uh, like with the releases and stuff like that. And, I mean, just having his type of mindset when you're on the field, you know, just thinking that he's the best player alive, you know, just best, best player out here at all times. And uh, he wants – he just – just his whole aura, you know, just uh, – just a guy I look up to. That's pretty good. The, the, the receiver formerly known as Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco. Well, Latrell, before we let you go, last question. Are you going to be wearing the 85 in college? Do you have a, a favorite number? Uh, when you take the oh, yeah. field, the Husker fans, do you know what number you want? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, me and Coach Frost actually talked about this earlier. Uh, if you pre- People who know Coach Frost who played in Nebraska, uh, he wore number seven, and he wants to give it to an offensive player. A quarterback has it right now, but he wants to change his number, but I will be wearing seven. Wow, Latrell Neville going to be taking that seven away from Luke McCaffrey. You heard it here first. Latrell, I want to thank you for your time, and thanks for joining Hale Varsity Radio. Well, yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good stuff there from Latrell Neville. Taking the number seven away from Luke McCaffrey, that's exciting. Exciting stuff that Frost wants Latrell Neville in the seven. Interesting there. Good to hear from Latrell. Some good thoughts from him on why Nebraska and, and what Nebraska wants to do with him in the offense. It was good talking with him. We'll be wrapping up Hour 1 after this. You're listening to Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. It's a Monday here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal here alongside Damon Bars. We're filling in for Chris Schmidt as uh, Schmidt's got a little four-day weekend for himself. Hope he is enjoying his much-needed, much-deserved time off. I know he was out watching uh, his son play baseball all weekend. Uh, maybe didn't get as much time uh, to relax as, uh, as many of us did. So, Chris, 
going to be uh, back in tomorrow, taking the day off. Just heard from Latrell Neville, the Huskers' newest commit in the class of 2021. Also heard from Greg Smith this hour. So we hit a little re- recruiting recon with him. Just a reminder that both of those interviews are going to be available on the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page as well as ESPNLincoln.com after the show if you missed either of those. I, I thought good stuff there from Latrell Neville. Interesting uh, that maybe uh, he's going to be taking that seven from Luke McCaffrey. Really good insight there. I'm, uh, if, if anyone's going to tell him to take that number, I'm glad he had that conversation with Frost. Yeah, should we, we should, maybe we should read way too far into that. McCaffrey changing numbers, that means he's going to receiver? Does that mean he's changing away? Uh, I don't want to start that rumor here, um, but interesting places we could go with that. But Latrell Neville maybe going to be wearing the seven for the Huskers. Not sure what that means for Luke McCaffrey. You can read into that on your own. Again, both those interviews going to be up ESPN Lincoln if you missed either of them. Now, Damon, before we go, the uh, the less exciting news today from the Huskers was that all tickets are going to be going to uh, to mobile ticketing. No more paper tickets. It's all going to be on your phone. I mean, it seems like something a lot of other teams uh, and a lot of other sports uh, and sports leagues even uh, across the country have been doing. doesn't really come as a surprise, uh, especially with COVID in the country. Um, but my question is, is all those uh, the ticket scalpers outside Memorial Stadium, how is that going to work for them? Are they going to be waving their phone around with a big sign that says <laughs> their Venmo on it? Like... <laughs> Yeah, maybe this is how we get the uh, the older generation into Venmo. If you haven't heard of Venmo now, it's taking over the world. I mean, there's a, actually a couple of those uh, those Cash App, the, cash the app. Wells Fargo, whatever they use. Yeah, you got Zelle. Is that what it is? Zelle. I don't know, but that's how you're going to have to get your tickets here from now on if you're walking down the stadium. Another interesting caveat is that no more ticket sales. Once an event has started, that is the limit. You cannot buy new tickets. So if you thought, oh, maybe I'll walk down at the end of the first quarter, go talk to the scalpers and see... If they want to sell me some tickets that they weren't able to sell, no longer. You have to have it on the app before uh, the game starts. If you're worried about Wi-Fi down at Memorial Stadium or whatever, you can download that uh, onto your phone uh, as your mobile ticket and, and go with that with your Apple Wallet or Google Play, uh, whatever you, service you use. Um, but, I mean, not entirely surprising that Nebraska is going mobile ticketing, especially in, in the age of COVID. Not much changes for us students either. I mean, what is it still going to be on our little student ID? I don't see yeah. why not. Yeah, it doesn't really change much for us, but I could see a lot of people who, I as a kid, I love to collect the ticket stuff afterwards and like frame that bad boy. So I don't know what's going to happen to that. Actually, so what's going to be happening is you have to go buy the program now. If you buy the program, there's going to be a souvenir ticket in there for you, where if you just need to have the stub, uh, they're going to have that ticket for you in the souvenir. You can go home and frame that, especially after a big game. I mean, but it, it kind of takes away a little bit. I mean, I still have the ticket of uh, that Nebraska inaugural game, inaugural home game in the Big Ten against Ohio State. Got like a specialty ticket for it. It was a big wide one. It was like two tickets wide. I still have that somewhere over my dad's house, which I'm sure I can sell for a whole bunch of money somewhere down the road. Whenever Nebraska's dominating the Big Ten, and everyone's like, ah, I remember that. The first game in the Big Ten and all the years of turmoil after that. I'm going to buy that ticket. Maybe it's hopefully $500. I think that's my asking price. If anyone wants it now, I'm taking offers. Damon, you want it? Uh, I'll, uh, I'll pass. All right, 500 is too steep. I get it. I get it. We need a real collector for that one. Coming up in hour two, Charlie McBride. You're listening to Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Elijah Herbal and Damon Barr in for Chris Schmidt on today's Hale Varsity Radios. We are back from our 4th of July weekend. Chris will be back in tomorrow after he takes a much needed day off today. Excited now to welcome in the coach in Blackshirt himself, Coach Charlie McBride, joining Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, first things I want to ask you, I've asked this to our other guests previously in the show, you still have all 10 fingers and toes, correct? Yes, I think so, still. Uh, how was your 4th of July, yeah. though? Good, good. We got some family here, and uh, so we had a good get-together, good weather, and uh, it was it was very nice. Now, my dad invited me over on Saturday night. We had, we had a nice little steak dinner while we lit off some fireworks. Anything good yeah. on the menu over at the McBride household? Well, we had... Uh, um, Bratwurst and hamburgers, and we had uh, great fireworks here on this on our lake, our association that we've got around 400 different homes, and everybody throws a few bucks in. And this year they, you know, I've been through almost every one of them, and I think this year probably was uh, the best that I've seen, even since I was a kid. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I want to get into our, our topic of today, which, I mean, Latrell Neville, I'm not sure if you saw this. He's a, a four-star receiver from down in Texas, six foot, 490 pounds, bordering on 200. Um, big guy. And that's kind of what I want to get into is, is Nebraska's been building size in the Big Ten, uh, especially under Coach Frost. I just want to ask you, how important is bringing in guys who have that big frame, uh, having all the you know six foot six frame, 300 pounds, how, how important is that? Well, what happened was is they all of a sudden started getting some guys and all the defensive backs in the, in the old days kind of were smaller, quick, very quick, good feet, you know, in the 5'8 to 5'10 range. And I think, you know, when you even look in the NFL at one time, well, way back, I, I looked and I think it was like 5'10 and a quarter was their average height. Then all of a sudden the big receiver came in and they're going over the top of those defensive backs and and I think that kind of is held true. Uh, and so now you find the just the opposite them are they're looking for big defensive backs with range and good you know good length and things like that where uh, even if they're you know six feet tall they may have a great vertical jump and and things like that so. You know, they're trying to get it balanced off on defense, you know, with a big receiver. But a big receiver is always going to be tough because if you're anything where you're turning your body with your back to the secondary, you're you're a big target and you're hard to get to the ball. And, uh, you know, it's hard to get over the top of you and, and, and so forth. You almost have to go around to get the ball out of there. And, and as you know, any kind of turn-in pattern or anything like that, the quarterbacks, the good ones are keeping the ball down low where it's really hard to get. 
and it really doesn't take a big receiver to do that. But when you're in the end zone and the red zone in that area, they're they're really a plus. Coach, when you're making your scouting report for an offense, what scares you more? Is it an offense with a ton of speed or is it an offense with a ton of size? Yeah. I mean, which, which one would you would you pick if you had to pick a team to go against? Would you pick the team of of the the fast small guys or, or the big slow guys? Well, I tell you what, I take the team with the fast guys. <laughs> I don't, I you know, I've I've always been a, a guy that you know was a speed first type of guy. Um, you know, although I think you know the biggest thing is too is is if. You know that it all depends on how good you are up front, usually, because if you're a good defensive football team with a good good uh, can get the pressure on the passer quick, fast, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference who's back who's who's back there because the guy's got to get it off. And if you can change the trajectory of the ball, or you can, you know, knock some balls down, or make him change his you know the, his throwing motion because of the you're in his way or things like that. That that's a that's the that's the kind of the key to the whole thing. You know, it's nice to have you know a great offensive line to to block for a guy. Now big guys really become evident. Uh, you know, that's when you when you have a good offensive line, that's where those guys find their money. And uh, but if you have good speed on the edges and pressure, um, and good speed in the secondary. I think you know you're you're going to be okay. I don't think the little guy is out yet. Uh, you know, out of the NFL yet, there's still a lot of guys in that five, ten to six feet range that that can really jump and and play well. Charlie McBride is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Coach, the next topic I, I kind of want to get into, it's an article by Bruce Feldman. Uh, he's the uh, college football writer for The Athletic, and he wrote an article on Cade Johnson. He's a uh, wide receiver originally from Bellevue West who ended up walking on at South Dakota State, uh, is now an FCS All-American, and the Huskers, uh, as of it stands right now, are going to be playing him in September in Lincoln. Um, and one of the parts of the article was that, I mean, almost Nebraska missed on this kid. when I mean, he still had to walk on at South Dakota State, only had two offers uh, coming out of college, or coming out of high school, right. excuse me. Um, I, I just want to ask you, what, what do you look for when you're looking for a walk-on, under-recruited guy, especially from Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, somewhere in there? Are, are there any factor or any uh, intangibles you're looking for? Yeah, well, that's a lot of times though, kids are late bloomers. They're late bloomers with their speed, their strength, their, you know, all kinds of things. And when you're in the, you know, when you're in a top division in college football, you don't have a whole lot of scholarships, so you can't afford to be too far off. And, and, you know, you could, you know, you can give the kid all the credit in the world for being a good receiver in, in high school, but he may have been a step slow or he may have been not as strong as you'd like and some of these other things. So that's going to happen. You know, that, that definitely is going to happen. I think one of the things in though that they've made, uh, they've done at Nebraska over the years is made the right decisions uh, with with young people that are walk-ons that can earn scholarships and have earned scholarships. And um, a lot of them, you know, as you know, go on and they end up playing in the NFL. And, and a lot of it is because, no, they haven't developed yet. And uh, so especially with big, with young guys, if you get a kid 6'4", 230, 
you know, and he's all of a sudden he's 260 and then he's 290, you know, and uh, he's a good athlete. He's a tough guy. He does a lot of things well. He's smart. And those are the kind of guys you're looking for and hope that they develop in, the, in, in, that, in that capacity. And I think he's one of those that's going to happen. You're going to have that happen to you. That won't be the first time. Uh, but, uh, you know, you'd sure like to be sure you don't miss one. Mm-hmm. You know, as you go through it, and again, you have numbers problems sometimes. So you gotta, you know, you have to go the way it, you know, your your program is built. You know, how many are you gonna take? How many, you know, receivers are you gonna take? And how many are you gonna have receivers as walk-ons and so on and so forth? And then it goes like that for every position. Coach, when you, when you look back at your own coaching career and the walk-ons that you coached, could you tell? early on, if one of these guys that was a late bloomer had the it factor that he was going to be a difference maker, or did it not come until they actually did, in fact, bloom? Yeah, I think there, that there's guys, I mean, uh, I, to, as far as defensive linemen go, I don't think there's any question that probably, you know, Mike Tramner was a guy that, uh, you know, he actually didn't accept the scholarship as a senior and ended up being a captain uh, and a starting nose tackle for us, and you know, a guy who's, uh, you know, just uh, he went through the three years and earned a scholarship, and his his family decided, hey, look at, we're going to let somebody else have the scholarship. We're going through, you know, all the way. We're going to pay our own way. And, and that was, you know, out of the kindness of their hearts, really, because, you know, Mike was, uh, is, as you know, is a full-blown, big-red football, football player and, um, you know, a very, very loyal guy. But I think the other guy would be Lauren Kaiser, who a lot of people looked at, and he wasn't even a defensive lineman. He was a linebacker. He was a point guard on the basketball team. He was 6'4", about 230. And he kind of didn't have the speed to be a linebacker or tight end and all these things. And so we took a throw. We took a chance at him. And actually, we brought him in on a scholarship, and he ended up being a starter for a couple of years for us. And, uh, but, you know, he was a guy that from Carney that could have been, you know, considered. If not, we would have, uh, you know, if we didn't scholarship, well, we sure would have tried to get him as a walk on, you know, to get, get him to come to Nebraska. But, uh, he turned out to be very, very good. And so there's, there's, you know, that from out of state, we had Toby and Jimmy Williams, who you would think that, you know, these guys, uh, they weren't even, I think they had one scholarship to Virginia Union or something like that, and Jimmy ended up being a first-round draft choice and Toby a third-round draft choice. And Jimmy played, I think, 12 years in the NFL and played for Detroit, and Toby played for New England. But, you know, those are, those, they're, they're, that's what happens. You know, you just never know what's going to come forward. It's It's a... You know, sometimes you can see the kid has all the tangibles that you want in a player, but at the time maybe just doesn't have the size you'd like to have for his particular position or the speed. Mr. Blackshirt, Coach Charlie McBride is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, when we're talking about these guys having the intangibles, I assume you're talking about the drive, the want to, to be great. How do you go about evaluating that whenever you're going around to high schools, looking at talent, especially guys that could come and be walk-ons in Nebraska? 
Well, a lot of it they've been scouted by, you know, you watched them play, you've watched every, everything that they do on the field as far as their playing, you know, are they, are they 100% or do they go every minute of the day, you know, and are, are they the kind of kid that's going to really put the effort in the weight program? And then you usually go through the school and you talk to some teachers and you talk to some people that aren't really football people to see what kind of person he is. And, you know, usually you find out what his study habits are and, and, you know, and I mean, you go as far as maybe to check to see how many times he's been absent or, you know, has he been suspended or thing, all those kind of things you try to pick up on uh, as you go through. And if you find out that this is a special kid and he's a really a hard worker and he's, you know, has a chance to get bigger, faster, whatever the case is. Uh, I know when we had Boyd uh, Apley, you know, we, we were pretty sold on, you know, the fact that we could get some, you know, develop the kid. Uh, Boyd's guys did a great job of developing a lot of our players uh, and, and as coaches, the only thing we could do was try to make them better. They had to get them faster and more flexible and all, all the things that were important. Uh, that was their job. And uh, we were fortunate to have Boyd and, and his staff. And I think that was something that probably is, you know, even though everybody in the country knew about Boyd Epley, but there's still some things there that I don't think he was given credit for. I think his recruiting ability and everything was, you know, beyond if you could imagine he was a, a guy that could communicate with the parents very good, and he had a lot of innovative things. Now, Boyd recently uh, stepped back from Husker football after he stepped back, previously came back, is now officially retiring. I, I hadn't heard that he had done any recruiting. You have any good stories of Boyd Epley recruiting? Oh, yeah. he he. That's the one thing I don't think Boyd was ever, you know, really people realize what a good recruiter he was. I mean, he, he would get parents in there and he'd go through the computer stuff and how they were going to work with this player their their son and how they were going to do these things and people would sometimes would come in and just be you know say wow this is we didn't know it was like this and i've heard players say why did you go to nebraska and they say well the away program hmm. you know there's probably been quite a few players when you go back that was one of the big things you know they all have certain things they want and, and you know, academics and so on and so forth. But I think when you get into the football program, the support of your weight staff and, and how good they are and, and things like that are are really, really important because some of them are looking at that next level and the person that has that ability to develop them is a, is a real plus as far as recruiting. But, his, his he, you know, he communicated with people very, very well. And... Uh, you know, I think that he was a major part of of our, you know, being able to recruit at Nebraska. While we're on the topic, uh, Coach, are there any players that you think back of that made the biggest transformation inside Boyd Epley's weight room? Yeah, I think I probably would have to. One of the guys, I, you know, I would say would be Neil Smith. Uh, Neil came with about 216 to 18 pounds, and when you talk about a deep defensive tackle, you know, he was, uh, he had a seven foot, I guess, three wingspan, but he was lean and mean. And when he left, of course, that he was a guy that, um, 
was probably close to 6'4", and, and, and looked like he was 6'6", because he was split so high. But he was 200, if I remember his senior year, about 262 to 265 pounds, and he ran in the 4'4 range. And, uh, you know, so, you know, his development strength-wise and weight-wise and everything for the program was, was pretty darn good. I mean, you know, as far as a guy that really didn't have the maybe the weight that, you know, you, you had. But some of these kids, you know, they're just outside all the time in activities. And once they settle on one sport, then they usually have time to do all those things. But a lot of them are playing two and three sports in high school and never get a real chance to get in the weight room where they can concentrate. Mr. Blackshirt himself, Coach Charlie McBride with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, have a nice weekend. I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, checking in to Hale Varsity. Right? Okay. I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thank you. Yep, talk to you then. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal alongside Damon Barr filling in for Chris today on Hale Varsity Radio as Chris has the day off. He'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday. Friday looks like it's going to be another Damon and Elijah show. Damon gives me the uh, the surfer, what is that? The Skater die. Skater, yeah, that works too, yeah. So it looks like Damon and I also going to be back for your Friday this week, uh, which is always exciting. Come on, who doesn't love me and Damon? If you if you don't, please don't answer that question. Especially because I'm going to say we are now have uh, open phone lines here for about the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, remember, you can call the show 402-466-3776 or 1-800-825-5865. Because, uh, I mean, big weekend in sports. That, that's what we said when we opened the show. A lot to talk about. And uh, we want to hear from you. So 402-466-3776 or 1-800-825-5865. Excuse me. You can uh, tweet at me at Herbal Essences or at Damon Barr. Uh, You can also tweet at the show at ESPN Lincoln. And uh, we'll try to get your questions, get them answered uh, if we can, or take your calls and uh, and chat with you for a little bit. But I want to start off here with uh, something I mentioned to Coach Charlie McBride last segment, and that was an article from Bruce Feldman. He's uh, the lead writer for college football for The Athletic, and he had a story today on Cade Johnson from Bellevue West. That name rings a little bit of a bell. It's because he is the older brother of Keegan Johnson, the uh, the receiver who recently picked the Iowa Hawkeyes over the Huskers, led some Husker fans to be a little bit mad. Um, but it makes sense when you look at what happened to his older brother, CJ, uh, who was uh, the oldest of the three boys, went off to Wyoming after having uh, no offer from Nebraska and uh, had a couple pretty good years there. I'm pretty sure he had a couple catches in that game in Lincoln against Wyoming uh, a couple years ago. If you remember Josh Allen at quarterback for Wyoming, C.J. Johnson was his top target that year. Uh, But then you have Cade, who was two years behind his brother C.J., uh, one year ahead of me, actually, uh, which is weird to think about. But he is now going into his senior season uh, over at South Dakota State. And... uh, the whole point of the article was Nebraska fans might want to cover their eyes for this one because he did not get an offer from Nebraska. Uh, He actually had an offer from South Dakota state, but after they got two commits in their class before he committed, he was waiting for some bigger schools like Nebraska to give him an offer. Uh, They pulled their offer to him and made it more of a gracier offer. Said play two years as a walk on and we'll give you your scholarship for the second two years. And that ended up being the best option for him. 
he ends up going to South Dakota State as a walk-on uh, in his first year. And uh, after putting in the work, a redshirt freshman season, he, I mean, put on, I believe, 10 pounds of mass, according to the muscle mass, according to this article, and became their starting kick returner. And he set in that season their, uh, their record for kickoff return yardage. And that kind of set the stage for him. He is now an FCS All-American, which is crazy. And, and the advice his dad gave to him before he went off, his dad, Cluster Johnson, former Husker, if you remember uh, Keegan Johnson, when we talk about him, same father, Cluster, said just go and work because they film everything at practice and they'll see everything. And that's what he did. He said every single play, he just went as hard as he could, and it worked out for him. He earned his scholarship early after his redshirt fresh or after his redshirt season, became a starter uh, in his uh, next season, and then he has been the uh, the leading pass catcher for the Jackrabbits the past two years. Still planning on coming to Lincoln here in September, but the Huskers did not offer. Hurts a little bit whenever you look at this, right? Because, I mean, just look at the list of guys that are making their name elsewhere. Guys from Nebraska went to high school in Nebraska and are making their name or made their name or are making their name elsewhere. You got Bryson Williams. I'm a little biased. I went to high school with Bryson. But Bryson making his name up at Wisconsin didn't get an offer from Nebraska until very late in the recruiting cycle. At that point, it was too little too late. And uh, the Badgers got Bryson. We got Noah Fant, Omaha South kid. Uh, did not get a Nebraska offer. Ended up going to Iowa. Where, uh, I mean, you should probably know. Three-year starter, first-round draft pick, now with the Broncos. Making a name for himself there. Uh, and didn't make it at Nebraska. You got Nick Linners, who's now at K-State, starting tight end down there. He went to Lincoln Southwest here in town. Did not get a Nebraska offer. Goes off to K-State and is now uh, getting some playing time down there. Easton Stick, North Dakota State quarterback. He went to Creighton Prep. Did not get a Nebraska offer. Uh I believe he went undrafted in the NFL draft, but he is still in the NFL now. Easton Stick, another guy, made his name elsewhere. Greg Zerline, Greg the Leg, did not go to Nebraska after going to Pius the Tenth. Damon, he's before your time, isn't he? A little, yeah, pretty before my time. Um, this uh, shout out to Taylor Dozler in my fantasy league. He pricks Greg's, Greg Zerline every single year. But again, another guy did not go to Nebraska. Danny Woodhead, Danny Woodhead, Shadron State. Didn't even get a Nebraska walk-on offer. I think he did pretty well for himself. Not sure, but I think he did pretty well for himself. You got Zach Miller, Bears tight end. He had that career-ending injury a couple years ago, but until then was making a good name for himself. All guys who did not go to Nebraska did not get a Nebraska offer. And I feel like Kay Johnson especially is a guy who Nebraska could have needed these last few years as we've been struggling. Something on special teams, something at wideout just to help and why Cade wasn't recruited a little undersized five foot nine he was about 170 pounds coming out of uh, out of high school which is as Charlie said there's there's still a place for uh, for short guys in football there still is but uh what he ended up doing was he ran a, a four six forty at a combine and uh the big schools kind of laid away after that one I mean but this is a kid who put up just worlds of high school I mean he he had the uh he led the state in receiving yards his senior season. Only played three years of high school football, too. Didn't play his freshman season because he was a smaller kid back then, 140 pounds. And we're talking about late bloomers with Charlie. He's a late bloomer. Bloomed late, and look at him now. FCS All-American, looking like he's going to be possibly a first-round pick in the NFL draft next year. If not, most likely a second or a third-round pick. And Nebraska didn't even make an offer. 
If I mean, it's a Monday. I know you, no one likes Mondays, especially after a holiday weekend. I hope it didn't just make it worse, but Kate Johnson's now going to be coming to Lincoln. you got to hope you can cover him because we didn't even give him the time of day. He said he'd never talk to Mike Riley. Nebraska didn't give him the time of day. Moving on now, I want to get into the uh, Washington Redskins because they were in the news this weekend. I said big weekend of news for sports. FedEx. The owner uh, or the naming rights uh, of the, the Washington Redskins Stadium is FedEx, FedEx Field. And they have requested that the, uh, the Redskins now change their name. A lot of good options out there, which I even think are better than the Redskins. Damon, do you have a favorite? Well, we were talking before the show. I think we both and everyone kind of collectively agreed upon, at least on Twitter, was the, the Red Tails. Washington Red Tails. That's honestly, or that's uh, obviously in reference to the Tuskegee Airmen, who uh, back in World War II and even onward uh painted their tails red as, as a distinctive sign um and i mean with what we're seeing in the country right now it'd be, a, it'd be a nice gesture especially because i think as a country we've understood for a while now that I, when you look at you see the people wearing these like uh the cleveland indians are another team where you see them wearing like the uh, the caucasian shirts like it's reached a point where it's i think the only thing that's holding me back is saying, well, they've been the Redskins for as long as I've known them, or they've been the Indians for as long as, as long as we've known them. Is it PC culture to change the name? I don't think so. I, I think we've, as a society, can look at that and go, well, that's not right. Let's uh, use a derogatory name towards a group of people as, as a team name. It's not right. Would it be weird to change the name? This late in my life? I mean, there have been the Redskins all my life, but if you go to something like the Red Tails... It works. The Red Tails works. I almost think it's better. And in the they, the Redskins as a team, you know, the administration released a statement saying they're going under the team review. They want to honor the Native American um, culture and they want to honor the military. I think Red Tails kind of does both of what they would be trying to accomplish if that was their route. Mm-hmm. The, the other thought, though, is if you want to go completely away from the Redskins, what do you do? If you don't want anything, if you want to, I mean... I look at red tails, red tails makes the most sense just because don't have to change the colors really. You got that, that dark red and a gold. It works. People have made mock-ups of it, which looks sweet. It, it works, but there's other options as well. Um, red Hawks, I think, is also similar. I think if you're going to go red hawks, you might as well go red tails. A lot cooler. But then you got, I mean, the, the Federals. That's one I saw. The Washington Federals. Well, the, the Globetrotters offered to sell the rights to the Washington Generals. I saw that, which them. is hilarious. Because my roommate was last night. Goes, I think they should go to the Washington Generals. And I go, is that the name of the Globetrotters team? And I looked it up and I go, oh, the Globetrotters offered to give that away. That's how big this is. Like, I don't think that the team name is getting changed before the 2020 season, especially with what we're seeing in the country right now. It would be a, a big old pain to have to go change all that. But before 2021, I think that the Redskins should have a new name. The Cleveland Indians are one that's bordering on the line for me. Because Indian, while it's not the politically correct term, I, I wouldn't say on its face is derogatory. Whereas the, the term Redskins is. It, it just feels wrong. It feels wrong for me even to even say it right now. It, it's, it's unnecessary. Could it have been all right whenever they made the team in the 1940s? Oh, yeah, but society's changed. Time to move on think they should go with the supersonics huh I, i'm not sure if seattle would be too happy with that supersonic the, the washington supersonics I, it works actually 
if you keep it with like that American military like jet theme, Supersonics works. But I'm not sure if Seattle would have that. It'd probably be pretty confusing for a lot of sports fans too. Kind of like someone bringing back the Expos. Well, it's like how confusing it was whenever uh, was whenever uh, what was it Charlotte was the Hornets. No, no, yeah, no, no. New Orleans was the Hornets, and Charlotte was the Bobcats, and New Orleans like we'll become the Pelicans, and Charlotte's like, well, that's cool because we like the Hornets, so we're gonna be the Hornets now. Like one of those confusing things where one year it's uh, you're talking about the Hornets, and you're talking about New Orleans, next year you're talking about the Hornets, and you're talking about uh, Charlotte. So um, I don't know. Supersonics isn't the worst thing in the world, but better options. Not terrible. All right. Before the end of this week, I want everyone out there to know about the UFC. UFC 251 is happening on Saturday. And if you're not a UFC fan, you might sit there and go, why should I care? Well, let me tell you why you should care. Because in the main card this weekend, there's three title belts, which first off is absurd for you. That's like it's like buying a, a boxing match on pay-per-view and there's three title fights, like unheard of. But this UFC event on Saturday, three title fights. You got Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. You got Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. And you got uh, Petr Jan versus Jose Aldo. Three different title fights. And you might say, I don't even know any of those names. Well, you should know Kamara Usman. I'm not saying you should before, but you should now. Kamara Usman was a wrestler at the University of Nebraska, Kearney, actually, where he was a two-time All-American. He won a team national championship in 2008, and he won a national championship in the 174-pound weight class uh, in 2010 by himself, NAIA. Excuse me, not NAIA, it's uh, Division Three. He went to UNK. You should know about him. We'll talk about that more and next time. Hail Varsity Radio. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Great song. Great song choice in there, Damon. Let's go DJ by Lil Wayne. I remember one day Chris is asking me, like, what song is this? And I'm like, I have no idea. So I have now made a, a mental note because of that embarrassment of that one. Like Chris had to get an email in from someone being like, ah, this is uh, Go DJ by Lil Wayne. And that's, it's, it's in my memory now. I'm never going to forget that one. Great song choice. Appreciate that. Back into UFC 251, though. It's Elijah Herbal alongside Damon Barr filling in for Chris Schmidt. But 251. Kamara Usman. If you don't know the name, you should. I set it up for you for you last time, and if, if you don't like him by now, I mean, he went to UNK, won a national championship for them as a team, and then won a, a solo national championship, and he is now the world welterweight title holder for UFC. He beat Tyron Woodley, that was a couple months ago, and then he defended his title against Colby Covington. Ooh, that, that was a pretty anticipated fight. Kamar Usman ended up breaking his jaw, uh, Kamar Us- or sorry, Colby Covington's jaw within the fight, and he ended up winning uh, on knockout. Kamara Usman is, is no one to mess with. His name is the Nigerian Nightmare. To make things worse, his opponent for this fight, Gilbert Burns, has had to back out. He couldn't make the trip out to Saudi Arabia where this is being taken. I'll get into that in a second. These fights are in Saudi Arabia. But he had to back out, unsure why, suspected that he or somebody within his camp contracted COVID and they could no longer make it out. So now, step in Jorge Masvidal, who is going to be fighting Kamara Usman. Jorge Masvidal... Uh, in his last fight, uh, he's, he's not a, a title holder, but he has a belt. And he won that belt over Nate Diaz in the last fight, and it's called the Baddest Mother Effer Belt. Because both those dudes are some of the toughest dudes in the UFC. You can look at Masvidal's record and you can be fooled. Uh, but this is a guy that, about three years ago, took a two-year break from the sport. 
and he decided that he was going to find himself and he was going to come back and be a better fighter. He's now 3-0 since in three impressive wins. If you don't know what this dude's all about, look up Jorge Masvidal versus Ben Askren. What he does in that fight is he, he knocks out Ben Askren with a knee within 10 seconds. One of the most impressive things I've ever seen. He has now taken this fight on six days notice because he's just mean. He's tough. Six days notice. And he's going to go fight Kamara Usman, the Nigerian nightmare. That's not Christian Okoye anymore. Christian Okoye has given the rights to Kamara Usman to use this. Kamara Usman, the Nigerian nightmare fighting Jorge Masvidal. Six days notice for Masvidal. As somebody like myself who is not in UFC, I don't know anything about UFC, like how big is, give this to me in terms that I can understand. Uh, terms you can understand. If this was a bowl game, what would this look like? That kind of thing. Probably the Rose Bowl. Okay. This is the Rose Bowl. And to make things more interesting, this is the first time they're fighting on what's been dubbed Fight Island. The UFC went and purchased a private island out in Saudi Arabia where they can go fly their fighters and do their fights. It's called Yas Island. You can go, you can go out, look it up on Google Maps. And what it is is the ring is going to be set up on the beach. They have a little tent over top of it. Um, and it's on the beach. You can see the water. And these guys are going to be fighting there. It's going to be awesome. And it's three title fights. You got Usman Masvidal, uh, which we have just talked about, which is going to be a great fight. Uh, I personally think Usman is the favorite. Let's, uh, look at the betting line real quick. We have mm, not updated yet. Not updated yet. Yeah. So anyway, Usman Masvidal should be a good one. And you got Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. It's the second time they've fought. Max Holloway was the uh, the title holder last time. He had the belt, and he lost to Volkanovski. Volkanovski kind of tore him apart. So Volkanovski now going to be fighting Holloway. Holloway looking for his revenge. And then the third fight is Petr Jan and uh, Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo's been in the UFC for years. You might remember Conor McGregor knocking him out, which happens. Happens in the UFC. That's kind of the fun of the UFC is you can lose, and it's not the end of your career like in boxing. But he's now fighting Petr Jan. Should be a damn good fight. Am I allowed to say that on radio? I think I am. <laughs> But just all around, everything about this is shaping up to be kind of a, a seminal event, I think, for the UFC. In terms of no other sports are on, they have gotten their own fight island, and they're saying, hey, let's put the three of the best fights that we can schedule right now, let's put them all on the same card. That's why it was a big deal. When, when Gilbert Burns, Usman's first opponent, backed out, Masvidal stepped up within 12 hours, because the UFC knew they needed a guy for this. This is, this is the big event. It's a big one. If you never watched UFC, I encourage you that they post most of uh, or a lot of the big fights on YouTube now for free. Uh, so you can go look up all these guys. Just look up their names on YouTube. And I'm sure a full fight will come up. You can see what these guys are all about. But Damon, I, I encourage you. Come over to my house on Saturday. Come watch some fights. All right. We'll have a UFC party. I mean, have you ever actually sat down and watched UFC fights for it's, a night? It's been a long time. I, I did when I was a kid, and my dad would you know go over to his bud's house, and they'd pay for the pay-per-view. I didn't really get it, so I, I kind of do want to get more into that kind of stuff. I've always been interested, but just never knew even where to start, honestly. Um, I, I think it starts... I mean, the, the, the thing is, for us college students, it's tough to, to dole out that 60 bucks for a fight. That's why you have friends over, have a little fight night at your house... Y'all, y'all pool and, and, and buy it. But it's just one of those sports that during COVID, they've been able to keep on having events. They've been able to keep on having, I mean, fights, making money. And none of their, none of their people have tested positive for COVID. They're doing things right. So I think UFC has made a big push during quarantine. We'll see how UFC 251 ends up on Saturday. Um, but if you don't know the name Kamar Usman, 
You should know it now. Uh, Kamara Usman, I mean, not a native Nebraskan, but a transplant Nebraskan. Went to college here. He's got friends here. Uh, if you know the coaches of uh, Lincoln East Wrestling actually wrestled with uh, Kamar Usman um, while he was at UNK. He's got a local connection. You should be supporting Kamar Usman. That's all I'm saying. Before we go, last little, or for this segment, and then we'll wrap up uh, after this, but want to give you a quick update on some COVID numbers because we had an interesting uh, release today from Rutgers saying that they are going to be moving uh, 90% over 90% of their classes online this semester. All campus events have been canceled. There will be no campus events. Less than 500 students are going to be staying on campus. But they made sure in their statement to say that uh, the athletics department and their sports are not affected by this decision today. They are still planning on following state and Big Ten guidelines, but not a good step. This, this is not a good look whenever all your students are going to be back home. And, and I mean, it's kind of a weird ask to have all your football players on campus when everyone else is doing online learning from wherever in the world they are. So not a good look. But the positive COVID news from today comes from England. Premier League soccer. I'm wearing my Tottenham jersey today. They were in action. I just kissed the badge. If you couldn't hear that, we'll give one. Hear that? Kiss the badge. They played Everton today and they won one nothing. I'm sure no one out there cares, but that's my team. Anyway, the news from today was that the Premier League has tested all members of staff and players, uh, which they do periodically. And now after about three weeks of play, they have found zero positive COVID-19 tests. Which you look at the sport of soccer, it could be a little more socially distant than football, but there's still a lot of close contact, a lot of people in close proximity. Those guys aren't living in a bubble like they're expected to in the NBA. Yet still zero positive COVID-19 tests. Especially how fast that can spread through a team. It's an encouraging sign that at least one sports league in the world has figured it out, so far at least. They've figured out how to have a system where they're not going to be testing positive for COVID. Positive sign, in my, in my humble opinion. I'd say it's a positive sign. Can American sports take some lessons from British Premier League soccer? You'd hope so. You also don't know if everything is going to be realistic for these American sports leagues, but zero have tested positive in England in the Premier League which I'm counting that as a win. I think that's a good sign. The Rutgers news is bad news for football in 2020, but the Premier League news is good. It just shows that it's possible. There are ways to do it where you can have guys playing in a sport, playing, going to training, still living their daily lives and not testing positive for COVID. We'll wrap up a Monday show after this. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Wrapping up a Monday here on Hail Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal alongside Damon Barr filling in for Chris Schmidt today as he is... I keep saying four day weekend. I should have made up a better on assignment story, is what I should have done. Should have, should have, hmm. I mean, I was on assignment in golfing. That's just what he's been doing recently. I should have found something better, though. More creativity next time, maybe for Friday. Speaking of Friday, I just realized that's one day before UFC 251. And what am I going to want to do for UFC 251? I'm going to want to bet on the fights. Maybe we'll have to track down Danny Burke for Friday. I know he's usually in on Thursdays. We'll have, we'll have to see. I'll make sure me and Chris get a word with him on Thursday. We can do that too. Or we, we could even do an interview Thursday and then get back right back to it Friday. It's possible. 
It's possible. UFC 251. You can make a lot of money on this. Damon, what do you got going tonight? Uh, I'm going to finish up some burgers that are sitting in the fridge waiting to be grilled from the holiday weekend. And then, yeah, not really sure uh, what the plans entail. What do you got going on? Yeah, got to figure out what I'm going to eat. There, there's a lot of leftovers, and it's just a mismatch. I'm not sure much of them go together. I mean, because I got barbecue. Got some barbecue in there. Got a little bit of uh, leftover pasta, which kind of like, not like pasta salad pasta, like fettuccine Alfredo. Like, I'm not sure if that really goes with barbecue. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decide if I should just go with a mismatch and clean out the fridge or if I should actually like, take something in there and, and turn it into this. I could take that barbecue and make like a nice barbecue mac, maybe. Barbecue mac and cheese. Wouldn't really fit my workout plan right now. Kind of need to be on a diet. Maybe I should have a PB&J and call it good. <laughs> but trying to figure out tomorrow, I got, got a friend who's invited me to go uh, go tube the Elkhorn with him. Go just sit up there. Do a little floating. Do a little floating. That's a possibility, but I have to umpire baseball tomorrow night. So I, I got him like, I, I want to go, but I also know like, if I'm going to be working tomorrow night, can't go drink some beers while you're floating. Right. You, you'll be exhausted after that. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, and then I need to go umpire double header. So I got to kind of decide if I'm going to let him down easy or what. Hopefully he's not listening. <laughs> no, but, uh, but yeah, just kind of, kind of working things out. You know what show I started? I guess it would have been last week and I'm now through season one. It's Dexter. I like Dexter. I didn't get through a lot of it, but I really liked it. Um, my roommates told me I was watching it and I'm not sure how true this is, but they said, watch season one and stop and don't watch anymore. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair assessment. They it just said, gets worse and worse. They said it goes downhill in season two and it gets worse in season three. And they say, if you really want to have some fun, watch season one and then go directly to season four and just watch how much the show has like declined, declined and like ask yourself, how could this happen? Well, well, Chris gave me an assignment over the 4th of July holiday to watch Ozark. So I'm about halfway through season one of that show. Big fan. Big fan. Okay, I got through like three episodes whenever it first came out, and I just never picked it back up. I love it. Is, is it one that you it, get it's, into? It's real slow, but it, it's just like Breaking Bad in that it's just slow tension the whole time, and it's just a ride. Just a, Maybe that's the next one I'll get into. Good stuff today on the show. We talked with Greg Smith back in hour one. Uh, we got a little recruiting recon with him. We also talked with Latrell Neville, newest Husker commit addition to the class of 2021. 6'4 receiver looking to make a difference for the Huskers sooner rather than later as he comes in uh, as a early enrollee in January, wearing possibly number seven. Not reading too far into that at all. Let's talk with Charlie McBride. Reminder, all of those segments can be found on the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page as well as ESPNLincoln.com. Full show will be posted on HaleVarsity.com, ESPNLincoln.com, your favorite streaming service. That's iTunes, Google Play, all after this. Again, Chris, back tomorrow for Damon Barr. This is Elijah Herbal signing off. Thanks for listening. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.